Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Week two is officially underway, and we are here to recap it. Last night's game between the Cleveland Browns and the Cincinnati Bengals, Jared Bailey, Kurt Hamas are with you. This is Laces Out. Partner, what did you think about last night? It was, uh, it was, I thought it was going to be around as close as what it was. I said Bengals plus five and a half, so they came through late. Uh, what did you think about uh, last night? We can start with you know, just, just your initial thoughts. Yeah, I mean, it honestly was a lot more entertaining than I thought it was. When was the last time that we were excited to watch a Browns and a Bengals primetime game? Because I don't remember the last time that was. But it's a new era for both teams now, and it was surprisingly very entertaining. It went down to the wire. Both teams looked, you know, both teams had their problems, but both teams actually looked pretty good. Um, And I just pray to God that Joe Burrow doesn't get a career-ending injury because of his offensive line that is just putrid it's awful I feel bad for the guy yeah I mean what we saw him do last night and you know I was talking to you about this and I tweeted out a little thing about what I wanted to talk about Joe Burrow just seems far more ready for this type of moment than Baker Mayfield is mm-hmm. and and it's not to say that Baker didn't play well because he did look good you know the long throw to Odell Beckham for the touchdown um he only threw it 23 times that game um and it makes sense you know I'm not going to say that the Browns need to run the ball more. And then when they run the ball more, say it's a, you know, a deformation to Baker because they, we, we knew that Kevin Stefanski wanted to get the run game going. The Bengals were the worst team against the run last year. So it made sense why they would want to push, you know, Nick Chubb to push Kareem Hunt to get a lot of carries. Mm-hmm. Um, but after Baker throws the interception, uh, middle of the fourth quarter, she doesn't throw a pass the rest of the game. So, and, again, I understand that if it's not broke, don't fix it. You know, keep pounding if it's there. But what I saw from Joe Burrow, he has no offensive line. His defense looked putrid. They couldn't mm-hmm. tackle anybody. And so, you know, you look at what Baker's had to deal with in his career in terms of maybe his rookie year, the last two years really, where his offensive line wasn't very good. Um, the defense was better than what Joe Burrow has right now. You can argue that the weapons that Baker has are better than what Joe Burrow has right now. And in his second career start without OTAs, without preseason, Joe Burrow threw it north of 60 times. 61 times. Can can we just talk about that for a second? Because that is... Yes, 61 times. (laughs) 61 attempts he tried to throw it. I mean, granted, he only completed 37 of those, but 61 you have Joe Mixon as your running back, for God's sake. And I get it. I know it's, it's you know, you want the guy to get in there. And Joe Mixon actually touched the ball 16 times, but 61 times. Oh, my God. The well, guy's going to fall off. 
I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that they couldn't really establish the run because the offensive line's so bad. Mm-hmm. And they just realized, all right, we're going to have to try to do this quick pass game. And that resulted in 60, well, excuse me, 61 pass attempts. So, um, you know, the th- three touchdowns, no interceptions, a good QBR. You know, and like I said, second career start, no preseason, no OTAs. You know, obviously they had camp and everything, but not a traditional offseason. This is supposed to be a time where Joe Burrow looks lost, like he doesn't know what he's doing. And in the first two games, he's been a Randy Bullock pretended calf cramp from tying the game and taking the Chargers to overtime. He's lo- the Bengals have lost their first two games by a combined eight points. Wow, yeah. And that's, yeah. and that's a lot in part to nine under center. And look, there were a lot of people saying, you know, he had the NFL talent surrounding him at LSU all over the field. And so many, I think a lot of people, while there were people who were excited about him and think that he could do great things, there were the naysayers saying, well, okay, let's see what he does with the Bengals. And we have seen so far what he's done with the Bengals. He's looked great. Obviously, they're 0-2. But, you know, if, if you would have told me that they would lose these first two games by a combined eight, you know, mm-hmm. a month ago, he's done great, man. And I, I'm impressed. I, 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 yeah, really, yeah. I really am impressed by, by Joe Burrow and – because I we've talked about it. we've had a lot of talks with the Bengals this offseason actually and you know they have a lot of good players on that offense the defense needs some needs some work but that offense has got a lot of talent AJ Green's coming back not the AJ Green of old obviously but you know you got Joe Mixon you got some really stud wide receiver receivers and Tyler Boyd T Higgins you got um our our friend of the show Drew Sample who who had a hell of a catch last night. A couple, yeah. He, he was second on the team in receiving here, and it looks like uh, going forward he will be the number one tight end because Bengals did lose C.J. Uzama to a torn Achilles. So, uh, Oh, is that what was confirmed? It was confirmed today, Oof. torn Achilles. So he is done for the year. So Drew Sample is tight end number one there in Cincinnati. But um, the road doesn't get much easier from here uh, for the Bengals because next week they go to Eagles we've talked about the Eagles. We like the Eagles this year. It was kind of an ugly week one, but uh, we'll see how they bounce back. They got the Jags. They got the Ravens coming up. They got the Colts, but I mean, that's a tough division. You got to face the Ravens twice. You got to face the Steelers twice. I am really, really interested to see how Joe Burrow can fare against, you know, the Steelers defense, the Ravens defense, because if he can, I mean, I'm not expecting them to win, but if he can look competitive, if he can bring it down to the fourth quarter, maybe a, a final drive sort of game, I think he's going to surprise a lot of people, a lot of those people that were, were doubting him. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, obviously they go to Philadelphia next week. That'll be a fun matchup between he and Carson Wentz. Um, also, we need to talk about this because Cincinnati scores, makes it 35-30. And an onside kick is what's going to decide whether they get the <laughs> ball back. And obviously they don't recover the onside kick because no one recovers the onside kick anymore unless Wang Hu Koo's the one kicking the onside kick. Unless it's Micah Hyde and he picks it up. Oh, uh, that was the Bills. But that's the only time we see a, we see a touchdown off of that where uh, Micah Hyde <laughs> recovered it and scored a touchdown. But other than that, usually it's just the team falls to the ground and that's that game's over. But that was the, that was the last exciting onside kick I think the NFL has had was when Micah Hyde picked it up and ran it for a touchdown. The NFL needs to just implement what the XFL does and do. do the fourth and 15 because one that'll make for a lot of exciting late game action if you know your team's down 12 with four minutes left you're still in the game mm-hmm. you don't got to rely on an onside kick i just dropped my pen we're back 
But um, I think the XFL has put in a lot of things that I think the NFL does need to implement. That is by far the star next to it, underlying bold. Because that's the one that we need the most. People, people always say, you know, special teams is so important, which, yes, it is. It absolutely is. But make it important on kick returns, punt returns, blocking the kicks, whatever. Onside kicks don't work. They're not exciting. You see a guy line up for an onside kick, and it's just whoop-de-doo. It's not going to work unless it's, you know, second quarter out of the blue. Some, something mm-hmm. crazy happens like that. But it's just, you know, the NFL wants to – they want to – innovate their game and they want to make it more exciting so you know new younger people are getting excited and want to get into the game change that that's an easy fix easy fix because you know fourth and 15 you're like oh boy here we go let's see what our quarterback can can do let's see if he can bomb it let's see if they're just gonna you know make a boneheaded play I don't know it's just onside kicks are not the move they need to no grab that no they are not and um you know, I'd like I'd like to think that that's something that would get implemented, you know, sooner rather than later. But you know, and it, it doesn't help the fact that you know they took away the rule of being able to stack the one side. It doesn't help that you're not allowed to run up to the line anymore. Mm-hmm. So basically, the kicking team's at a standstill. They don't have, you know, they can't stack the one side that the ball's going to. So right in that, they're already at a disadvantage as well. And they're not allowed to touch the ball before it goes 10 yards. If the opponent wants to run up and touch it, I believe they're allowed to just run up and grab it whenever mm-hmm. they would like. Yep. So let's go 10 yards, but the other team can just grab it whenever. So it's, yeah, it, it, it's just not exciting at all. I, you know, I was watching that the Browns Bengals game last night and you knew it was over. You there's literally, there is absolutely no hope of the Bengals coming back when they're going for an onside kick. It, you know, I was talking, if, if you're going to keep the onside kick, if I was a coach, how would you go about it? Because we see some guys will just kick the top of it and hope for, you know, a crazy bounce. Some of them will boot it up in the air and try to get enough hang time where the guys can get to, you know, 15 or so yards down the field. If I think it was in a movie, actually. Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> I would just have – I would have the fastest guy on my team line up somewhere, just watch the ball wherever it goes, like WWE spear whoever touches it. <laughs> <laughs> hope it pops up and then have somebody recover it but I, th- I think the best way to go about it if you want it to maybe work is I think you just got to get the bounce because you know the football is going to roll in all different kind of wonky directions so get the bounce on it and just have your guys go like dogs after a bone and just try to get it but I don't know I kind of like when you know the kicker does the little the fancy kick where he comes in and then he kind of kicks it behind with underneath with his other leg. I don't know. It just kind of Chris Boswell tried that against Baltimore a few years ago and it completely failed. It's, it's the only excitement of the onside kick is when the kicker tries to do do something fancy like that. Yeah. I think that we can both agree though, that it needs taken out. And can we start that hashtag on Twitter? Do you think we could get it trending? Probably not, but we could try. Hashtag NFL. (laughs) We got to make it like, yeah, we got to make it snappy, make it something quick and easy. Maybe. Or we can just do re- replace onside kick. Yeah. All right. I feel, All right. I feel like that's we'll a solid that. one. Okay, we'll start it. <laughs> All right. So there is some um, other news going on right now. We already touched on Philadelphia. Devontae Freeman will be visiting the Eagles next week. Um, so that would be a big pickup for Philadelphia. They were without Miles Sanders last week. I believe he is playing Sunday. So that would be a, mm-hmm. a big addition for them in the backfield. They already have. Boston Scott's there. Um, so adding Devontae Freeman, right, that would give them probably one of the better trios of running backs. I don't I, – you know, no trio comes to mind that's better than that. I think that would be a very good addition for 
for the Eagles who could use as much weapons and pass protections as running backs as much as they can get. And I, I think that's kind of the key is, is the weapons part because we, we've seen what Carson Wentz can do and we just feel for him every year because it seems like they just, they're not giving him the help that he needs because he does have Zach Ertz. They draft Jalen Rieger. What else are you doing for the guy? I mean, it, it, it's, it's tough because Marquis Goodwin did opt out, so they did help him there, but mm-hmm. get him more help. I mean, you bring in Devontae Freeman. That's, if, if Miles Sander can stay healthy there, that's those three guys plus Corey Clement too. I mean, those are, those are three guys that you can kind of pretty much count on to, to give you some good production week by week. And Devontae Freeman's a good pass catcher. He can really, if you, you, know, you line him out wide with a little short underneath passes, I think he could, he could help Carson quite a bit there, I think. Yeah, and uh, we talked about it last episode. Why not try to make a move for Allen Robinson? Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you're Philadelphia, I mean, I get Deshaun Jackson's there, but he's prehistoric at this point. He's been around forever. Um, you give Allen Robinson, Jalen Rager, Zach Ertz a tight end. I mean, finally, those are two really solid starter starters at receiver. Alshon Jeffrey hasn't been nearly the same for however long. I I couldn't even tell you if he played on Sunday or not, to be honest I, with you. But I don't I think he's I think he's ruled out for this coming Sunday too. So he's he's kind of been a mess. Even really since he, he went to Philadelphia, he hasn't been, you know, what they expected him to be. Mm-hmm. But I, it, it's it's kind of tough because of course right after we recorded our week one recap and we talked about the Allen Robinson thing. All everything came out that said, you know, Allen Robinson talked to the Chicago front office and they, they cleared everything up, of course. So all our rumors and all our talks just went to went to waste. But I mean, I still think that there's there's still an, an opportunity for that trade. I mean, I we've seen it many, many times where teams say we're not trading him. He's, he's here for the long haul. And then a week mm-hmm. later, he's gone. So I wouldn't rule it out. I, I think, you know, if Chicago's if they start losing maybe two, three games down the road here he's going to be a free agent next year. Why not try to get some draft capital for him if they're not going anywhere? Yeah. He was saying that he, the bears, the report is that the bears are willing to pay him 15 or $16 million a year. He wants 18. Wow. So they're really just, is he worth that? I think he is. I mean, you look at his production that he's had with Trubisky at quarterback. He had 98 receptions last year. He's playing, he's played great everywhere. He's went with God awful quarterback play. So I think there's, there's something to be said for that. Um, but if I'm him, I, he's either going to get, get traded or sign elsewhere. He's not going to be a bear next year. I think that's been pretty made pretty clear. Yeah. That I mean, $18 million though. That's, that's a lot of money. You're, you're getting up to an elite wide receiver there. And I don't know if I would rank him at an elite wide receiver. I, I mean, he's, I think, I think he kind of gets held back obviously because of his quarterback play that he's had. If he was with, you know, uh, you, you, let's let's say you switch a, him and Devonte Adams with with uh, Aaron Rodgers. You put him with Aaron Rodgers. I mean, he's going to be an elite wide receiver, I think. But I just can't I I can't give him that kind of money right now. If if he's if he's if I'm Chicago Bears and he tells me I need eighteen million dollars, I'm gonna say I can't do that because I need to figure out my quarterback situation first, and then I'll worry about maybe my wide receivers. I think that he is worth that. I do think he is. You know, he, that's the thing. He doesn't come up when we talk about the elite wide receivers, and I don't mm-hmm. really know why. And, you know, I think I just kind of highlighted with, you know, the quarterback play. But like I said, he had 98 catches last year. Right. He did great things w- with Blake Bortles in Jacksonville before heading to Chicago. Mike Glennon was there before Trubisky took over, and he dealt with that. So, I mean, if, if there's anybody who's been 
among like really talented receivers in the league who's had worse quarterback situations than Allen Robinson. I'd like you to find him for me because I don't know if he can in the past five years or so. So I don't know, you know, is he better than, you know, try to throw out a name. Is he better than Devontae Adams? I don't think so. Is he better than Keenan Allen? I think he's probably in that class. I think, I think at right now, I think he's better than Keenan Allen. Um, You know, Keenan Allen's kind of taking a step back. Obviously he's, he's dealing with the same issue too, the quarterback play because he had Phil Rivers who Phil Rivers was great for many years, but you know, the past what three years he's been, he's been dropping off and now he's got Tyrod Taylor throwing him the ball. So he's, it's, it's a tough position because it's not all about you. It's not, you're, you're not great by yourself. You need a, a good to great quarterback to throw you the ball to be great or, or yeah. elite. So and we know that Tyrod Taylor isn't exactly the throw the ball downfield type in <laughs> no. Los Angeles. He will get you 160 yards a game. He will not throw an interception and he will run for 50 yards and you'll go nine and seven. I promise you that. <laughs> I've seen this, any, I've seen this story too many times. That. If there's anybody who knows that, it is Mr. Kurt Hamaser and the Buffalo Bills faithful who, who witnessed it for – how long was he there? Two seasons? Three seasons? Two, two seasons. He was there for the start of, start of a third one, but two full seasons, yeah. So there you go. But <laughs> other than that, I mean, I would like to see him go somewhere, you know, where he has competent quarterback play. Um, and I think Philadelphia makes sense. Um, mm. I think that would be – if I had a bet – you know where to put him. I think that would probably be the the, the best team for him right now. Yeah. Uh, I know. You, I know you threw out San Francisco. I think that one makes sense too. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's uh, it's definitely going to be interesting to see what Chicago decides to do because I mean, they're they're really arguing over nickels at this point when it comes <laughs> to this deal. And how much did they give Jimmy Graham this off season? Two. Uh, I can look that up right now. I'm gonna speak. yeah. Because if they gave Jimmy Graham, let's say that they gave him three or four right there, then that's that mm-hmm. is where you could have solved all your problems and not paying uh, Jimmy Graham. Okay, and yeah, he's at three, three million dollars. Three million for Jimmy Graham. Uh-huh. So there, therein lies the problem. If they would take care of the guys oh, that wait, are already wait. there, time out. Three okay. million dollars base salary. The cap hit is six million dollars. So he had the signing bonus. He has some some incentives in there too. So. That's a $6 million hit to Jimmy Graham, who's 33 years old, and we haven't seen prime Jimmy Graham since maybe he was so, 23. So They're giving a $6 million <laughs> cap hit to Jimmy Graham, who hasn't been good in 90 years. Yes, pretty much. He's ger- geriatric at this point in his career. Mm-hmm. And they can't take care of a receiver who's been their legit number one since he signed there. Yeah. Been a legit number one everywhere he's went. When he was in Jacksonville, he came over because after the torn ACL, Jacksonville decided not to bring him back because Jacksonville is not a well-run organization. <laughs> we see that, yes. Mm-hmm. My goodness. So right, therein lies the problem. They're giving a $6 million cap hit to 97-year-old <laughs> Jimmy Graham who couldn't jump over my desk. <laughs> I, think my. I think you're on to something there. I think. I'd like to see if he could jump over your desk because I think he, I think he probably could. He, well, he can't, he can't dunk on the goalposts anymore, but I think he could dunk over your, or jump over your desk. Last year in Green Bay was atrocious for him. The years in Seattle were horrible. Ever since he's left New Orleans, he's just mm-hmm. been absolutely. Yeah, when, when he went to Seattle, he just he turned to nothing because there was that you know it was at the time it was like a blockbuster trade. Like oh my god, Jimmy Graham's yeah. out of New Orleans. That's that's Drew Brees' boy. I mean, 
I think they traded an offensive lineman and maybe some picks for him or something. But I just remember I was shocked. I said, oh, man, I can't wait to watch this Seattle offense with Jimmy Graham. And then I think I think maybe his first year he had like a decent year. But after that, it's just been nothing. Let me pull up some Jimmy Graham career stats because I actually do want to see how he fared since he left New Orleans. Because now I'm just annoyed. When he was in the, with the Saints, he was, you know, Arguably tier. the best tight end in football. If, he, when was, he was, in he New was arguably, you know, I would have I picked him over the majority of some of the wide receivers that were in the league at the time because Jimmy Graham I, was elite. Let me, let me hear what you got. All right, so from 2011 to 2014, 99 catches, 85 catches, 86 catches, 85 wow. catches. Gets traded in the offseason, goes from 85 catches to 48 catches in <laughs> Seattle. He cuts uh, his production in half. Wow. Wow. Right in half. Okay, That's... granted granted he played in how many games? 11. So he missed five games. Even then, though, he's not getting 40 catches in five games. <laughs> You don't know that. Come on now. Don't sell him short. <laughs> and his touchdowns went from he had 16 in 2013, 10 in 2014, 2 in 2015. Wow. Last year he had three total on 38 catches. And Six, they gave from 16 touchdowns down to two in two years? Yeah. Holy smokes. And then last year with Green Bay, 38 catches, three touchdowns, less than 500 yards. Wow. And they gave $6 million to that. <laughs> and remember, oh, do you remember, do you remember the point in the off season when the bears had like eight tight ends on the roster? Yeah. Like, they were pushing like 10. <laughs> they had like so many tight ends on the roster and like nothing else. They didn't even have their quarterbacks figured out. They didn't have their running backs, yet, but they had eight tight ends for some ungodly reason. The bears are a mystery. And I hope to God that Allen Robinson gets out. We'll be right back on laces out. Washington football team insider leg Lewis jr. Will be joining us. We'll be right back. Hey, what's up everybody. This is Jared Bailey from laces out. If you haven't heard about anchor it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First off, it's free. You don't got to pay anything to use anchor and there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more platforms. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome back to Laces Out. Jared Bailey, Kurt Homister, being joined now by Washington football team insider Lake Lewis Jr. Lake, how are you doing today? I'm good, guys. How are you? Better than um, ever. We're in the we're in the thick of the football season now, my friend. Last time we talked to you, I don't I don't think we were uh, we we're we we're a good amount away from football going, but now we're a weekend getting ready for week two. So couldn't be better. Yeah, this is good times, you know, and makes you forget about COVID and forget about everything that we're dealing with, and uh, hopefully they can sustain this because it definitely has uh, brought a lot of cheers to fans who who've missed football. I think that so. It has. And uh, speaking of cheers, I mean, the Washington football team overcame a 17-point deficit this past week and one of the crazier upsets of week one. Um, you know, they were living in the Philadelphia backfield. They sat Carson Wentz eight times. Chase Young already looks like he was worth that, that number two overall pick. So what impressed you the most about Washington this past week, and can they sustain this type of play going forward? I mean, you know, they, they – first thing that stood out to me was that the team speed is a lot different than years past. I mean, they, 
they've got some burners on both sides of the ball and they're young, you know, so this isn't, you know, as I would say, your father's Redskins or, or your father's <laughs> Washington football team, you know, this is, uh, it's all new now, new name, new everything. And um, I just think that you, when you saw what that defense did, once they settled in and started playing downhill, it was something to behold. And you got, you have to think guys, look at it this way. That was just one game. You know, that was almost a half of dominance. Mm -hmm. Imagine once these guys get more familiar with each other and the new, the new system that they're running. Chase Young gives every guy on that, on that defense a chance to make a play because now he's going to start demanding double teams immediately. That's how dominant he looks. So they finally got a marquee player on the defense. The defensive coaches have to game plan around, and now they're going to be other guys that they're going to have to worry about because of Chase Young. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, they – they surprised me. Absolutely, they surprised me. Jared, you you picked the Eagles to be your, your number one seed in the NFC here, and we, we thought they'd be flying high starting the season right. And here they are with a weak offensive line, a lot of injuries already, and Washington took advantage of that. And, and mm -hmm. you know, Dwayne Haskins didn't – you know, he didn't have a career day by any means, but, you know, he did what he needed to do. He put up 17 points, and that was all they had to do. I mean, I'm – or, sorry – Eagles put up 17, I think, right? It was 20 – what was it? It was 27. 27. Yeah, yeah, 27. Yeah. So they put up 27 points. And, you know, I feel like it, they got to just feel, you know, rejuvenated here with, with Ron Rivera coming in here. I, I, What have you been hearing from, you know, the guys guys around the locker room, anybody with Ron Rivera in there? Because, you know, very respected coach in this league, very, very accomplished. And he comes in here to a, a new young team and gets gets the win in week one. You know, all week at practice, I was, you know, being out there, you know, just looking at the drills and things that they do. And everything's different from what I've seen in years past. I mean, everything, the, the type of drills, the, the tempo that they do everything with. I mean, even yesterday, hell, Ron Rivera walked over to us, you know, the few media members who were out there because of COVID. He walked over to us and asked us not to film Dwayne Haskins and the receivers doing their drills. Hmm. This isn't the part of practice where they cut everything off and we have to leave. This is during drills where it's like B-roll for all of us. Mm -hmm. He literally said he doesn't want us filming anything with uh, the quarterbacks and receivers because he doesn't want to give away, you know, an advantage. Hmm. And uh, these are little things that professional coaches recognize and do. And never before did we have anything like this. And the guys are responding to it. Someone asked me, you know, what's the atmosphere like with the team? Honestly, in years past, I did. I mean, I'll take a page out of DJ Swearinger's book. I did see guys out there dancing and carrying on. And then on Sundays, their face was in the dirt, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, it's not like that now. I mean, it's like a very workmanlike atmosphere. They play music while they're stretching. Nice music, too, I might, I might add, you know, get some hyped up. It's not country or anything. No offense to country, but it's stuff to get these guys hyped up. Yeah. And then they cut it off and they get to practice. So I just, I've been impressed with the whole outfit from day one with Ron Rivera. He's a class act. He's a man's man. What he says stays. And, um, you know, he walks around, water stretching, talking to everybody. You know, it's not favorites. I've seen that in the past too, <laughs> you know, hmm. he's talking to the 53rd man as he, as he is with Dwayne Haskins. So I've been impressed with it. 
And speaking of Dwayne Haskins, and we'll get to that defense again here in a little bit, but there were so many things going on last year with Jay Gruden and the rumors that he didn't want Dwayne Haskins, but they took him anyway, and he mm-hmm. didn't. He just felt unwanted. How was Ron Rivera connected with Dwayne Haskins, and how has that really kind of changed their dynamic on offense? Well, I mean, they're very much connected. I mean, he even said today during his uh, Zoom uh, conference, uh, you know, that that Dwayne's handled all the intricate stuff. You know, he's been, he said he's really impressed with Dwayne. Everything they've thrown at him, he's, he's been able to handle. Uh, you know, a lot of things that people aren't realizing, they look at Dwayne Haskins' numbers and they say, oh, he's not throwing for 300 yards. I don't think in a Ron Rivera offense, even when Cam Newton was an MVP, was he asking Cam Newton to throw for 300 yards. Mm-hmm. That's not the way they do things. They run the football. Uh, they make high percentage passes and they play great defense. And that's going to be the blueprint of Washington this year. On occasion, Dwayne might put up 300 yards, but I don't think they're going to need him. They don't need Dwayne Haskins to be Ohio State Dwayne Haskins. They need him to be a pro that's not turning the ball over. This is the third outlet I've been on today saying this, and people are already (laughs) mad at me on social media saying I'm jinxing him, but he hasn't turned the football over. Uh, You know, this will be his fourth start. And if he can get through this game, it'll be four starts where he hasn't thrown an interception. So hmm. what more do you really want from him when they fell behind 17-0? The defense did their part. They gave him a short field, and they scored twice. And he made some big throws, a couple uh, quick slant pattern throws, you know, during those drives. So I don't know what fans want from Dwayne. I mean, I see maturation and growth every week. He – uh you know, stood up at halftime last week and, and gave a, a very emotional speech to let them know that they weren't out the game. And, uh, you know, guys, you know, came out and said that he showed leadership with that. So, I, I mean, listen, I'm on Dwayne Haskins right now. I think he's doing quite well. <laughs> well, there is uh, – if there's one thing that I know about football fans is there is absolutely no pleasing everybody with the play of the quarterback <laughs> unless they are – 33 for 33 with uh, 450 yards passing and six touchdowns on the day. So uh, Dwayne Haskins is doing just fine in uh, Washington there. But I do want to talk to uh, you about somebody on that offense who kind of came in with a lot of hype. I know I hyped him up a lot, uh, Antonio Gibson, because Adrian Peterson, you know, they they cut Adrian Peterson. They moved on from him. It seems like they were confident in uh, what they had in the backfield there. And I feel like a lot of people were, were, myself included, were riding Antonio Gibson to be, you know, the number one back there. And then we see Peyton Barber, hint, hint, wink, wink, he might be coming on the show in the next couple of days. We see him with 17 <laughs> carries, 29 yards, and two touchdowns. So, um, I mean, what are you kind of seeing from this, back, from this backfield and how it's going to shape out for the rest of the year? Are they just going to, you know, whoever's got the hot hand that day? Or what are you yeah. seeing from, like, Antonio Gibson and Peyton Barber and even J.D. McKissick, too? Um, I think you just hit it on the head. They're going to go with who's hot in the game. You know, if it's working, you saw that last week. Yeah. Um, Peyton Barber came in and had a nice run as, on his first carry. And you started to, you know, you could see that maybe he was identifying some things differently. Remember, he is a seasoned veteran, and this was Gibson's first game. Yeah. He was a rookie playing in his first game. So I think that once they saw that Barber was more of in a flow, they stayed with him, and their offense started moving. So, I mean, don't count, don't, don't count Antonio Gibson out, though. I mean, this game coming up Sunday might be tailor-made for him. Isaiah Simmons, who, you know, I liked quite a bit coming out of Clemson, he kind of struggled with some of the backs out the backfield last week. Um, you know, so 
it, this could be a game where Antonio Gibson has a chance to get out into some, in some space. Maybe Scott Turner looks for him in those open field opportunities because the guy has tremendous speed and he's not a little guy by, by any means. I mean, he's a big back with some speed. So, you know, he, he'll have his breakout game. And when he does, it'll just be one moment and one, one thing that's better for the offense now to add another weapon to building something. Before we let you go, Lake, we do need to talk about that great defensive front because they played phenomenally. Second Carson Wentz eight times. Chase Young had a forced fumble. Ryan Kerrigan, I believe, had a fumble recovery that led to a touchdown. So they played very well. Um, I think that this is one of, you know, the, the better defensive fronts in football that doesn't get a lot of the hype because they are, for the most part, outside of Ryan Kerrigan, a very young unit. But they feature a lot of guys who were selected in the first round for a reason because they were very talented. You put them all together, and uh, I get that the Eagles' offensive line was a little bit depleted with injuries, but eight sacks don't happen accidentally. So how do you think that they fare, um, not just going into this week, but for the rest of the season, this is a, a unit that could be very, very good. Yeah, you know, and, I, and, and I'm really irritated hearing about the uh, Eagles' depletions and all those things <laughs> because – Kelsey, their center, and Jason Peters, their left tackle, are pro bowlers. I mean, I mean, so they had one more pro bowler on their offensive line than Washington had. So stop. (laughs) Um, You know, and then on top of that, uh, they they came in with their same coaching staff, the only coaching staff in the division that didn't change. You know, they won a Super Bowl with this coaching staff, so stop. They just got manhandled at the point of attack. And that's a, a good sign for Washington going forward. And it's a good sign for them to come out and do this in the first game because, you know, for the last year or two, we've, we've talked about the potential of this defense. Well, you and I know, you guys know that coaching goes a long ways. And Jack Del Rio made some adjustments, started blitzing the linebackers. Uh, you know, they, they started bringing heat from everywhere. And Carson Wentz looked like his head was on a swivel after a while. He was missing routine throws because, let's call it like it is, he was feeling the heat. And uh, I think that's what they're going to ha- clearly have to do with a Kyler Murray. They're going to have to keep him in the pocket because if he gets out of the ta- outside the tackles, he can take one to the house alone. So they're going to have to get after him. They're gonna, he's small. You know, you start feeling that heat and start feeling that weight every now and then. Maybe you start getting jittery too. So that's going to be their big thing here. They're going to have to have that D line step to the forefront and be what we think they can be. Yeah. If, if they can, you know, if they can keep this up and they can kind of carry the team a little bit, I think that takes a lot of stress off of Dwayne Haskins and then he can start getting it going because, you know, they, they got not, not an easier schedule this year, but they, they got some, you know, easier opponents on that, that schedule. So uh, Washington could be a surprise team this year. And uh, Lake, we will, we will absolutely have you on once they're, you know, towards the end of the season and they're hot in the playoff race here. <laughs> yeah, let me, let me give you guys two names to remember. And I, and I really feel strongly about these two guys that can help the offense, you know, um, Antonio Golden-Gandy. You know, mm-hmm. I, think, um, I, I think he's going to be a guy that you're going to, you're going to really start to hear about sooner than later. I mean, he was a little nicked up last week. Um, and then another guy's on the practice squad, Isaiah Wright. Um, big, big receiver, six, like 6'4", 220, looks more like 250. He's huge. Uh, <laughs> made a nice one-hand catch and drills the other day. I mean, just you can see that there's potential there, and they like him. He played at Temple. So those two big guys can get on the field. You start to have some possession guys. You have more red zone targets. And it'll open up some things. So they've, they've got some talent. Don't be fooled by it. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Kurt, you and I, we were pretty high on Antonio Gandy-Golden coming out of Liberty in the draft, we so we were pretty excited to see him go to Washington. Blake, we appreciate you as always. We'll talk to you here in the near future as Washington keeps their season going and we steamroll through the rest of the NFL season. All right, my friends, I appreciate it. Anytime. All right. Thanks, All right. Blake. Take care, Lake. All right. And that is Washington insider Lake Lewis Jr. joining us here on Laces Out. Look, I'm not saying Washington's going to be a playoff team. I was really high on their defense last year, and they let me down. So I'm hoping that they can really rebound this year. And uh, I, I think six to seven wins is kind of their window right now. And mm-hmm. then maybe next year if they get another big-time player uh, on offense and Dwayne Haskins takes another step forward, they can be maybe in the mix for a wild-card spot. Yeah, you know, they're, that, that division is, is tough because I think – the Giants and, and Washington are kind of, you know, on the same level. And then, honestly, the Cowboys are just barely a step above them. I, I'm, I, think, I think it's the Eagles' division to lose. I think, you know, Washington could surprise a lot of people. I don't think New York is really going to surprise a lot of people. And mm-hmm. I, think, I think Dallas is just going to be Dallas. I think they're going to be, you know, right in the mix for the wild card. They're going to be fighting for the division. But I think, I think of all those teams, I think Washington is, you know, the team maybe with the most promise they got they got you know the coach they got the the young talent in here bunch of first round picks that are really starting to produce now and they got a bright future so a couple of years down the line here we, we could see if everything goes right we could see the the Washington football team maybe with you know some serious games in January that we could and they're currently leading the NFC West the only <laughs> our NFC East the only NFC East team to get a win in week one so whoever bet that congratulations to you <laughs> All right, so we do have some picks to make for this weekend. Uh, two and one, both of us are following the week one games. Who were your games again? You can remind everybody of our standings. You picked who? Last week I picked the Colts, which was the only team that lost for me. Um, I picked the Chargers, who just barely squeaked by the Bengals there. And then, of course, I picked my Buffalo Bills. So a uh, little spoiler alert, though i'm not going to pick the bills this week because i'm going to play fair and i'm going to you know spread it spread the love around the league a little bit all right and then last week i picked baltimore to beat cleveland i picked my steelers over the giants and then uh the old philadelphia eagles let me down i believe mm-hmm. that no i picked the lions over the bears they're the ones who kind of let me down and in the deandre end, so. swift lets you down That's yes cool. deandre swift let me down <laughs> in the end so we will start our big three this week um kurt we can kind of go back and forth this time so i'll pick okay. one and then you can reveal your first pick so my first pick uh, maybe a game that not a lot of people are going to be paying attention to uh, I'm going to go the Giants in an upset on the road at Soldier Field against the Bears. They are six-point underdogs going into the game. Um, look, Saquon Barkley isn't going to be held to six yards rushing again. No. Um, and offensively, I like Daniel Jones more than I like Mitch Trubisky. I like the Bears' offense a little bit less than I like the Giants simply because of their quarterback play. Um, so I'm going to go with the Giants on a flyer here. I'm going to take the Giants on the road to upset the Bears as my first okay. game. I don't. I mean, I don't consider that much of an upset, honestly. I don't think the Bears are anything special, and I, I like the Giants. Um, I don't. I mean, we broke down the game in our in our last episode. If, uh, if you haven't listened to that yet, go check it out. Our week week one recap. But um, I do. I do like you know how how the Giants looked against Pittsburgh. They didn't look great all the time but they had their they had their moments and like you said I don't think Saquon Barkley is going to be held to six yards again probably ever in his career because I think he's (laughs) probably just so pissed off at that um that's another guy too real quick 
Giants, please fix your offensive line. I want Saquon yeah. Barkley so badly to be one of the best running backs in NFL history just because he is a special talent, and you are doing nothing for him with that offensive line. Um, or they could trade him to Pittsburgh. That works, too. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, uh, would right. be the happiest man alive. All right, on to your week one, your first week two pick. All right, my first pick is the San Francisco 49ers over the New York Jets. After I saw the New York Jets last week, I don't even, – even with Debo Samuel down, even with George Kittle, who was just ruled out for the Sunday, with those guys out, I don't think there's any way that the Jets beat the 49ers. I will – I will do whatever you choose for me to do if the Jets win on Sunday because I don't think it's going to happen with that 49ers defense. And now with Jamison Crowder out on the Jets, I don't know who Sam Darnold's going to be throwing to because his grandma might be lining up on the left side of him because they have no help there. So uh, 49ers over the Jets. All right. Well, Kurt's going to take an easy freebie, so I'm also going to take an easy <laughs> freebie. I'm going to take the Buccaneers over the Panthers. Um, look. The Buccaneers didn't look horrible. They made some mistakes that teams who have never played together are going to make. Mm -hmm. They're playing a very good Saints team. Tom Brady made a few errant throws. Um, they're playing against one of the youngest, more inexperienced defenses in football under a first-year head coach whose offense re really revolves around one player. Um, and it's their home opener. So, I mean, um, I wonder if Tampa's allowing fans this week. That's something I need to look into because I know that the Jaguars are allowing fans. So, I don't know if that's yeah, – I don't know. I, I, I haven't seen anything on that, actually. We saw well, the Browns last night. Browns had a lot of fans there. I think it was like – Yeah, there was 6,000 uh, in attendance last night yeah. at, uh, in Cleveland. So, hmm. um, we'll see if Tampa Bay does. I'll have to follow up on that. But, regardless, they come into the game uh, around 10-point favorites of the Panthers. I don't know if it's going to be that lopsided just because Tampa Bay is still getting the feel for playing with each other. Chris Godwin's probably not going to be into, due to a concussion. So, if you got Mike Evans, start him on your fantasy team. Um I just really think they need to involve the run game more to set up the pass because Tom Brady, I get he's fantastic. He's 43. You yeah. signed Leonard Fournette for a reason. You have Ronald Jones for a reason. You drafted Kayshawn Vaughn for a reason who we hey, haven't heard from. Don't, don't forget about LaShawn McCoy. Shady LaShawn McCoy. McCoy is 75 years old. So. LaShawn McCoy in the backfield is going to carry that team to a Super Bowl. Um, can I make my pick now? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, go, go ahead with your pick. Your so pick. <laughs> so you, you took an easy one there, and uh, I'm going to pick a team that I am very high on this year. They didn't get the win in week one, but I got the Minnesota Vikings over the Colts, and Ooh. the Colts really needed to win that week one because now they're going to be starting 0-2. I think, you know, I like the Vikings a lot with that defense. Adam Thielen had a day last week. You know, Delvin Cook's still in there doing his thing. I like Minnesota a lot. I don't know if they'll win their division just because Green Bay is going to be lighting up the league for probably the next 10 years. I don't even know. But um, I like Minnesota in this game, and I was even thinking about maybe putting some money on Minnesota because it's, what, I think minus three to yes, Colts minus or something. Three. So, yeah, I, I, I'm taking the Vikings. Yeah, the Colts are three-point favorites in that game. So if you wanted to bet the spread or bet money line, that wouldn't be a horrible bet to make. I personally picked the Colts to win just because I picked them to win the AFC South, and damn it, I need to stick with it. Right. Um, that, that said, it wouldn't be the first time they started 0-2, 0-3, and then somehow made the playoffs. Um, they started, I think, 0-5 under Frank Reich their first year and still <laughs> made the playoffs. So don't ever count out the Indianapolis Colts um, in the AFC. Um, my final pick um, is going to be the Seahawks to just dismantle the Patriots in Seattle. They come into the game. They're only four point favorites in this game, which blows my mind. Wow. That's the easy. 
the easiest bet I'll ever make hmm. is the Seahawks to cover. Um, so I'm going to take Seattle. I'm going to lay the four. I think that's such an easy pick. Look, it seems that Seattle's finally giving the reins to Russell Wilson instead of just trying to rely on the run game so much because last week it was pass, 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 pass to Chris Carson on screenplays in the backfield, throw it deep to DK Metcalf. It seems that they're just finally letting him just go off on defenses. Um, Atlanta's defense isn't very good. The Patriots' defense has lost a lot. Dante Hightower opted out. Patrick Chun opted out. They lost Kyle Van Noy. They lost Jamie Collins in the offseason. Really, it's just Stephon Gilmore and the McCourty twins left on that defense. Um, so I think Seattle wins. I think they win handedly. Um, and I just think this is going to be the beginning of where we start to realize that you and I were right about New England being overrated, and it's going to be a glorious Sunday yes. afternoon whenever that happens. So Seattle yes. over New England. Please just drop a 50 bomb on Bill Belichick. I would love you forever, Russell Wilson. <laughs> That'll make up for the cringy video you made earlier in the offseason. Um, that it would, yeah. All right, my last pick. Uh, so I, I picked the 49ers. I picked the Vikings. Uh, I'm sticking in the Vikings division, and I'm picking the Green Bay Packers over the Detroit Lions. We've talked about the Lions. We like the Lions. We like the skill, but there's no way they're beating Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Come on now. Did you see the, the performance that they put on against the Vikings? I think, uh, think A-Rodg has another good game. I think they, they moved to 2-0 and here, and they start running away with the division early here, my friend. Yeah, I mean, Detroit was one of the teams I was really high on coming in, into this season. So, for, as a personal reason, I would like to see them not start 0-2, but mm -hmm. I did have them starting off slow. Um, in the first half of the season. So, yeah, the Packers look good, mate. So, uh, personally, I think Aaron Rodgers is just out to prove something. Hmm. And he wants to show that, all right, don't give me help. I'm still going to ball out, and then I'm yep. going to leave. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I like the pick. I think Green Bay wins as well. So, I can't argue with that. All right. Sweet. Wait, what were your three? Run, run them through again. Seahawks. Yeah, so we'll go through each of our three again. I had the Seahawks, I had the Buccaneers, and I had the Giants. Okay. And I got Green Bay, San Francisco, and Minnesota. We're both sitting at two and one. Um, I don't know what the prize will be at the end of the year, whoever comes in first, but we can figure we'll that figure out. We'll figure that out on the fly. <laughs> on the fly. hundred bucks, maybe. Not. I, I was going to say, yeah, I mean, we're still, <laughs> we're still in college, man. I'm broke, so I can't afford yeah. that. I feel that. So, yeah, mate, we are less than 48 hours away from the 1 o'clock kickoffs Eastern time. So, what time do your Bills play? They play at 1 o'clock, correct? 1 o'clock in, uh, in Miami, and there's going to be fans there, and Bills are losing out on uh, Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano. So, yeah, I, I was going to say, the Bills I don't know are... who's playing linebacker, but uh, it should be interesting to see if Fitzpatrick can take advantage of that. Yeah, maybe I should bet uh, Miami to cover that on no. six and a half. Josh Allen, Josh Allen, every time he plays the Dolphins, has a career day. I don't know why or how, but I love it. And then my Steelers, I'm going to say this. I think Denver beats Pittsburgh on Sunday. What? Uh, yeah, I wow. do. So, look, being a Steeler fan, I know how they start off seasons. <laughs> except for, you know, the very few outliers where they went 13-3 and 15-1. and <laughs> They're going to start off. They'll win one. They'll lose a game that they should win. And then they'll win a couple more. So, Early season, they always lose a game that they shouldn't. This is a game that they should win. It's their home opener. I think it'll be a close loss where something just happens where the defense just makes a, a mental error. It'll probably probably be Terrell Edmonds because he, he didn't look very good against the Giants. So I'm crossing my fingers that he kind of steps it up. But, no, uh, I guess K.J. Hamler's playing Sunday. Um, I haven't mm. heard anything about Cortland Sutton. 
Um, but either way, that's a big weapon that they get. Um, and I like Denver defensively. So I'm not going to make it one of my big three, but I think Denver, if I had to, if I had to pick it, I think Denver wins. Wow. Fake fan, whatever. Fake fan. <laughs> that is, that is our picks for week two. And that is our, uh, our last show before week two. So, um, thanks for tuning in. We, we, I know we mentioned in the last episode that we will hopefully have some guys coming on the show. And we will. We will. It's just a matter of when, because we, we got some potential suitors. Hint, hint, wink, wink. I said it earlier, and there's one more other guy. But we're trying. We're trying our best. They're busy men, though. They got lots of practice, so we'll, we'll try to figure it out. Yeah, and once we get this all clarified, we'll tweet it out from our personal accounts. We'll tweet it out from the Laces Out account. Um, and if it happens before our next episode where, you know, we set it up in the future, we'll talk about it on the show. So have no fear. We'll be getting more, more guys on here in the coming weeks. Um, so just stick with us and we'll, we'll let you know about everything going on, but until well, probably around Tuesday or so until Tuesday to recap everything, Jared Bailey, Kurt Homicer, where can they find you on Twitter? My friend, they can find me at Kurt K U R T Homicer H A U M E S S E R 88. Uh, always, always, always have a good time on there on Sunday, all week long. So find me there and Jared, where can they find you? You can find me at Jay Bailey NFL, uh, all your Steelers content from Pro Football Network, all of your Laces Out content with me and Kurt. So it's a fun time. I, did you see my – I tweeted something today that you should comment on. Um, my favorite end zones of all time. I did not see that, but I will take a look after the show. Okay, that's, that's interesting. I like that. Yeah, yeah. So. I, I've seen, I've seen a, uh, a concept for, you know, you know the Bill Zubas, like the – looks like Tiger, <laughs> tiger Strikes. I've seen yeah. – uh, I've seen – Bills fans make an edit of that for the Bills stadium, have the, the Zubas as the end zone, and I would absolutely love that. But just a thought, just a thought. I'll send it to you if I see it. But Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely send that to me because I feel like visually it would look better. <laughs> all right, we'll see you all on Tuesday. Thank you for tuning in. For Kurt Homicer, I'm Jared Bailey. This is Laces Out, and we will talk to you next week. See ya. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.